Welcome back to How to Be Queer. This is Sam. This is Chris. And today we're talking about No Planet, No Pride. That's not our theme song at all, but you no, know what? But we just went for it. <laughs> so let's jump right in. What's new with you? What is new with me? I finished one of my courses. So that's exciting. The next one starts next week. That's the same update as last time, though, so I should probably be a little bit more exciting than that. I have planned a trip for July to go to New York City, um, (gasps) barring any unforeseen circumstances, as we have seen over the past two years. Those can happen, so we'll see. That's so exciting. Yes! And also, I am going on a camping trip in Northern Ontario in July as well. So that's fun. Very exciting. Yeah. It'll be with my sister and my dad and my sister's boyfriend. Very nice. Um, It'll be fun. I I have not camped that seriously or that long ever. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it was so funny. We went to out for drinks the other night and everyone's like, how are you liking it here so far? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, it's about the same. It's about the same as Nanaimo, whatever. And they're like, it gets better in the summer. Like we go to all these camping spots. Like, do you like camping? And I was like, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) like I can't camp for more than like max two two nights like three days that's it like that's all I got in me um it'd be different if I had like a little mini camper like hitched up to the back of like a truck or something like I I would probably rally it out a bit longer but I could glamp I could glamp for sure but my back can't handle an inflatable mattress for for two nights is even a bit of a stretch at this rate but I do like I like I like it in theory me too I like the theory of it I like it in theory but then when I'm I like, in it I like <laughs> the day of I like during the day but I like hate waking up yep that's fair bringing all that shit home that needs to be it's like a whole debacle to be honest I feel that but that should be good you know I'll uh, I'll hold out I'll uh I'll give them the benefit of the doubt I'll go in full tilt yeah keep me updated on your camping adventures and I will I'm excited though like it'll be good like they all really like camping so I know it'll be fun and they're all really fun to be around so my news um my best friend's getting married soon she sent out the wedding invite so I'm very excited about that but I realized that I do not have my speech ready I'm the maid of honor Okay. I do not have my shoes. I do not have my dress hemmed. I do not have the thing I need for my dress. I do not have any jewelry for the event. Uh, so I have to stress about that. Um, but like in a good way, I'm very excited. I'm going to cry so hard at that wedding. Um, when is the for, wedding, did you say? It's in August, but like time is going by so fast. Oh, is it like, ever? Yeah. I'm like, now's the time to probably start stressing about it before I was like, ah, I got time. I do not have time anymore. Um, and then the bachelorette party is like next month. So I also have to stress about that. What else? Oh, we're planning. I'm hoping this is happening, but I think in November, we're going to try and go on a vacation to somewhere I've never been before. So, Well, that's exciting. Yeah. That'll be but fun. It, it's all like this very expensive plans that I just like I'm not excited for. So I need to start saving me monies. But we all know how I am. So well we all know how i am also so do not look here for inspiration <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like i don't really have a lot of exciting like current things going on it's just like a lot of events planned for the future which i'm really looking forward to this is the ramp but up time right like yeah. this is the this is the time where everybody's kind of starting to be like 
oh, these are the things I'm going to want to do in the summer. These are the things I'm going to have to like, and so you're preparing and all that. I know that I'm going to be off for July and August. And so I'm kind of like sitting here like, well, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? Because I'm not working and because I'm not working, I won't be paid. I mean, technically, no, I'm because I'm not working, I won't be paid. And so therefore I'm going to have to like, I'll be on EI or whatever. But I also, um, you have to plan for that because like every year I get to the end of it and I'm like, fuck, I'm out of money. <laughs> I know. It's like, I remember you always picking up like extra jobs and I was like, bitch, enjoy your fucking like month off. Yeah. But like, I also understand that like, we don't live in a world. It's so easy to spend money. I thought I was going to be smart because I got some extra money yesterday because uh, shout out to GST and uh, what did I buy? I bought an entire Dairy Queen cake so we <laughs> <laughs> um, are adults we make we responsible like, decisions we were like okay we were like really want cheesecake and I was like okay I'll order a skip the dishes cheesecake because I also walked to a sushi restaurant nearby so I got a sushi for dinner which was so good and it's so close to our house I'm very happy but he's like oh if you're gonna order a skip like blah blah and then I was like, okay, but like, hear me out, like Dairy Queen cake. <laughs> it's like Dairy Queen cake. And I was like, Dairy Queen cake. He's like, I am not picking that up from the Uber Eats driver. Like, I am not grabbing that from the skip the driver. And I was like, that's fine. Like, I have no problem like grabbing that. But I'll absolutely like <laughs> Dairy Queen cake. And because we we've been living off of this bag of Reese's mini eggs for the last like couple weeks, because we're we like sugar. And I was like, we're out of mini eggs. We we have no we have no popsicles because we normally have popsicles in the freezer. <laughs> like, we have no ice cream in the freezer. I think we need a Dairy Queen cake. And so I bought a whole ass Dairy Queen cake. That's my most exciting like life update right now. There's a Dairy Queen cake sitting in my freezer. Yeah, that's pretty exciting though. What's your queer news? My queer news is that. <clears throat> <clears throat> Canada Canada will soon have a national monument to honor LGBTQ2S plus communities that features a cloud-shaped disco ball inspired structure as well as stages that can be used for protests and performances. Isn't that lovely? Where, where would this be? It's going to be in Ottawa. It is where um, apparently federal things are. Um, most <laughs> most of the like federal things that happen like if the country is like we want to do this and they're like we want to put it somewhere it's usually in Ottawa yeah like I think like yeah no it makes more sense to be in Ottawa because yeah that's where like our parliament's kind of our main parliament is situated there this is a quote okay by this person called Shauna Dempsey all of the mm -hmm. other national monuments in Ottawa should be 10% queer but they're not we want to create one that's 110% queer 110% ours an identifiably queer space that welcomes everyone 365 days of the year. We want this monument to be a highly visible symbol of how we survived, asserting that we are proudly, unapologetically here and we will be invisible no longer. I would really like to see what this looks like because right now I'm not holding hope for the disco ball aspect of it. I don't really know the correlation there. No, that's right. But uh, it's fun and fruity. But it is fun and fruity. I can tell you that for free. Yeah, but I'd love to see what this looks like. Yeah. Maybe it's, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, look it up. Look it up real quick. It's it. Clear I mean, it does kind of look like a shimmery cloud slash disco ball kind of thing ish, but also inside of a can. I don't know if that's national inspired by dramatic thunder cloud is to be built in Ottawa by 2025. I'm a wee bit mm -hmm. confused by what. Oh, oh. Well, at night it looks phenomenal. Yeah, I think that that's the attraction. But at that, day, like... it 
looks so cold. Yeah, it looks very, it's very like, um, cold is a good word for it because it's very plain. It's very industrial. It's very like cement. It's very yeah, like. I wouldn't, um, and like when they have all the pride photos and stuff like that looks a bit cooler, like the way the ramp goes up towards into it. Yeah. Like, I think that's cool. I am slightly surprised. Like it does, it doesn't look bad, but it is a lot colder than I had anticipated that to look. I yeah. do like the aspect of the ramp going up though. Kind of gives me like a rainbow vibe and then it goes into the clouds. Like I can see that basis. I just think like the cylinder aspect of it kind of throws it off slightly here. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree completely. But I think it's a great step in the right direction. I'm very excited. I think it would be a really great place. The photos that they've done to like look at like the pride events and stuff look phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it does look lively when it is bumping. I just think on its own, I was just very taken back at first, but. I would agree with you. I, well, it just like lo the look of it is very like, okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not very colorful, which you would expect it to be colorful for a LGBT. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just know. like expected something especially when like they were selling it like this is gonna be draw draw dropping like <laughs> so my news is two pieces of news um one is obviously our jojo siwa update for any dance mom fans this will come to no surprise um but for the rest of us who was who are not into the dance moms because What's her nut was just batshit and we could not stand her abuse of those children. Um, you may not have seen this clip, but Jojo Siwa was on Dance Moms and there is a clip that was going around on TikTok and it is so cute. It's Jojo, Jojo Siwa's little like, I'll be posting it soon. Y'all will see it. Um, her little like baby voice. It was so cute. And she's not a natural blonde. Kelsa Priest. I am, I am shocked by this. I know. Not only was she putting her hair through the ringer in that tight ass ponytail, she was also getting her roots touched up like weekly. Um, and I guess continues to probably, I'd imagine so. Um, she's actually a very light brown. Um, wow. Very earth shattering news, everybody. I know. Hold on to your pantaloons. I, my pants are already gone. Yeah. I'm so I'm sorry. I did not hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Walked through that door. They were already just they were sitting. Gone. <laughs> at the front steps you know yeah you get out of the car they just whoof, fall right down <laughs> where'd my pants go they were just yeah. they're just waiting for you you just pull them back up when you get into your car tomorrow exactly yeah and then my more my piece of actual important news um i'm sure anybody who follows matt xiv xiv yeah. Yeah. has seen their post in regards to what's going on in Florida. So the Don't Say Gay bill was unfortunately passed um, and some teachers are taking a stand, which is really exciting. And what they're going to do is remove all gendered pronouns. They will not be using he, she. Um, they will not be referring to themselves as Mr. or Mrs. They're going to use the um, MX um, and they're going to be sending notes home. And some parents are getting real fucking rowdy, but <laughs> as as I know there's going to be, be, be people who are going to be like, oh, they just got to fucking turn it that extra level. And if you're not, you know, aware of like what that would feel like in opposition, um, it's kind of right on point in my opinion. You know, if you're trying to make it this big demonized thing by saying, you know, talking about the alternative pronouns and you know and like again let's just tack on that this is just from kindergarten to grade three these are not going to be massively intense conversations these are very very 
intro intro basic shit that has been going on for a while now um I think this is kind of an appropriate way to back it up. I think it's really exciting. I think it's going to be interesting to see them fucking lose their minds a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I saw some people on Twitter commenting like, okay, so like let's, and again, it was in Matt's post um, about like, well, got to get rid of gendered pronouns for bathrooms too, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, seriously though, like, I think it's really exciting to see these teachers take a stand in a way that still falls within what is required of them. And I think, um, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And I feel like the queer community always finds it. And it's kind of, it's interesting to see how this will unfold and how long this bill will last with um, teachers, as always, taking a stand the way they do. So that is such a beautiful protest. I'm obsessed with I this think protest. So too. I'm obsessed with this protest. And it's it's so true because like, even just like remove the removal of anything like removal of straight relationships if you're if you don't want to talk about relationships we're not talking about relationships at all you know removal of gender pronouns if you don't want to talk about gender identity we're not talking about gender identity at all like yeah that's I think it's it's like removing like because I think that's what people especially like people who just I guess they can't wrap their head around like the way the fucking world's going I don't know but like they sit there and they're like yeah we're not part of this like I don't use pronouns and then people are like okay so we won't refer to you as he him like I've seen some people stop people on the street and do that whole like thing and people are like well no I'm he him and it's like well that's a fucking gendered pronoun like what the fuck are you talking about so it's like really like implementing the like not implementing but really like showcasing the fact that like regardless of you being cisgendered or not like you're a part of this fucking community in this umbrella like what are you talking about like yeah <clears throat> and i think this will really kind of like set the record straight a little bit so yep. that's kind of cool it is good it's it, it takes honestly that's one thing that i see the queer community being good at is like being able to flip the narrative so that it it shows the double standard that these people are trying to force you know yeah and it's getting quicker um the ways that we are able to protest mm -hmm. the fact that the that society is a little bit more globalized and more queer people can talk to more queer people than they ever have been before um it's nice because we can we have these communities and the communities talk a lot faster and spread messages a lot faster than they used to be able to and so like now if an idea catches it catches on quickly and it can really change things in an instant which is very exciting mm -hmm. <clears throat> it is it is I think like this is such like a like a nonchalant but also so peaceful but also so like not aggressive that's not the right word but so like I don't know it's almost defiant. petty but like <laughs> it is, and it's so good but it's also so I don't know like I just I have not seen something like this before it's very exciting to see I agree um I know there will always be people who are like a teacher and we'll be like this is fucking outrageous like whatever but I think like I think it makes a good point I I really can't understand like the harm in talking about gender identity with children I think it's the same with like when people were like pissed about consent being talked about in children with children and I'm like I wish that was something that was more communicated to me as a child yep um because let's be honest, it's not like we're sitting there and telling kids yeah so if somebody blah 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 and like gets really like like a very intimate like very intense conversation about things that are like way above what they're ready for it's more like if you don't want to hug james you don't have to hug james yeah like it's so exactly. simple and like they're blowing it out of proportion that we're out here like sexualizing everything it was just like that's not the case no. and i think realistically your kids see way where shit on the fucking television than they would probably in a classroom so 
Well, often the, there's a lot of parents who are a lot more okay with violence than they are okay with sex. And I usually question like, why is that? <laughs> but it's rare. It's never a children's thing. It's never a mm-hmm. children's thing, right? Like you don't, there are certain, like, there are certain steps where you're like, okay, well, these kids are coming into their own, they're starting to understand certain things about their own body, teach them about their own body and teach them what urges they might come across or what certain things, but at the time that it's appropriate. And we know how to do that. We've got evidence. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, I did that fucking family plan thing, family planning thing. And like kids start to explore their bodies at an extremely young age. Yeah. And like when you open that conversation with other people, which I have where I'm like, okay, did I only experience this? And they're like, no, I did too. But like, no one ever talks about it. And it's like, why are we like, not talking about this like why is this such a taboo subject um because the thing is like your kids you're exploring new feelings and sensations and you're like realizing that you have this like body this vessel that you're in and it's you know it's exciting and new and like by making it so inappropriate to talk about how are you expected to feel confident and comfortable in your own skin like we we constantly you know talk about like oh, I finally came into my own and accepted myself in my adulthood. And it's like, okay, but why was that? Like, I lucked out. Like, I had the type of family. I always say this in the podcast, and I'm so sincerely sorry to anyone that has to hear me say it again. But where, you know, if what I wanted to wear, I would, I got to wear it. Like, um, if I wanted to, you know, suddenly become like a veterinarian for the time being, like, my mom was like, all right, she's a veterinarian. Like, at one point in elementary school, like, I wanted to do a no animal testing club. So, I mean, a no animal testing club, put up posters everywhere. I was going to leave protest. It was in grade five. Protest did not happen. But my mom was always so fucking supportive of that. And, like, any questions I had were answered. And it was never, like, I was shamed into the things that I was into. Like, I was into some weird shit for sure. And my mom was just like, fuck it. Like, that's who she is. And um, I think that helped me be more solidified in who I am. And I've had the ability to create the building blocks to further understand myself through that. And I'm so grateful for that. It was only the only times that I ever questioned my sense of self was because of other people diminishing me um, because of their own lack of confidence and understanding of themselves. Moving right along. Moving right along to our third segment, which is the queer word of the week. And the queer word of the week is ecology, queer ecology. This one was not an easy start off for me. Um, As you probably noticed, Chris is usually the one kind of our researcher. Um, but we decided to, you know, change things up a bit. And so, uh, started off real strong with this definition. Let me tell you. So queer ecology, um, the specific definition that I found, I'm going to be honest, I used uh, Wikipedia because queer ecology is a very abstract, very large, very complex thing. And so a lot of these things that popped up in terms of trying to research queer ecology or uh scholarly scholar scholarly (laughs) (laughs) Um, articles and stuff like that and while I think those can be super great I do know there is a bit of um I don't want to say bias but it's always it is a bit biased you know they're everyone's own interpretation of things right especially with something so abstract and can be 
um, used in so many different ways. So I was like, I'm going to just stick to, you know, Wikipedia, which is a little bit more well-rounded. I think it is a good resource and anyone who wants to disagree with me will catch these hands. All right. right. So the term queer ecology refers to a perspective which views nature, biology, and sexuality through a lens of queer theory. So this perspective breaks apart various dualisms. I don't know why I can't read <laughs> that exists within human understanding of nature and culture. Queer ecology states that people often regard nature in terms of dualistic notions like natural and unnatural, alive or not alive, human or not human, when in reality, nature inc- exists in a continuous state. The idea of natural arises from human perspectives on nature, not nature itself. Um, I love that last part personally. Um, nature exists in a continuous state. I could not agree with anything more. Chris and I have had many discussions in our personal time about how life is a spiral and things always are reoccurring and occurring again. Um, It is in a state, a continuous state. It is Mm -hmm. life is a spiral. Um, My fluid definition, I'm going to say my fluid definition of this, um, because again, it can be a little bit abstract. There's so many components to queer ecology. Um, It's basically from what I learned about it is that it stems from, as said in the definition prior, that it is based off of queer theory and um, ecofeminism. Um, so I think if anyone's interested in further looking into queer ecology, to definitely start off with those two other um, kind of definitions um, or things to look up because it is really founded and rooted in that. Like I said, looking further into queer theory and looking further into ecofeminism will definitely help you get a better understanding of queer ecology but in how i took it is that it's kind of this multifaceted approach to various sciences and acknowledging the intersectionality of humans and nature and nature as a whole and it just kind of looks into the relationships in the world around us in an abstract way i think a lot of it talks about um Well, I guess it says it in the definition too, right? That, you know, looking at things as not just human or not human or natural and unnatural in those things, it's kind of just more about like how everything connects. The best way to kind of do it is to look at the way that basic ecology kind of looks at things and that's like, oh, um, you know, birthing things and you know heterosexual relationships in the human species and like why isn't everything heterosexual with other animals why are penguins sometimes gay and then that's why they look at those things whereas I feel like in queer ecology it's just it's just about basic relationships it's not why are the penguins gay it's like you know how do these ecosystems like and these animals and these things coincide together to have these experiences you know it's not oh we got to find out why the penguins are gay it's like okay how do these how do penguins create these relationships within each other and how do these instances occur so on and so forth does that make sense yeah it absolutely makes sense I think that queer ecology um like based on what you're talking about I think that it's part of the reason that we understand that being gay is not just a human thing Right. So like we figured out that penguins can be same sex. We figured out that lions can change genders. We can figure it out like because of queer ecology, we figured out all of these different things about nature. Like Mm -hmm. just saying like thousands of species have displayed homosexuality. Thousands of species have displayed transgender um, things. So like it's not like humans are alone in this. And that's part of what queer ecology is or queer ecology. Yeah. Is because you're using queer theory to be like, 
um, you know, biology is not black and white. I don't know why you're thinking Mm-mm. this. <laughs> no, Nothing's and I get it. Like, it's a very broad topic. They even brought up, like, geography into mm-hmm. it. Um, like I said, ecofeminisms in, in it, which I did not touch on ecofeminism enough because it's very intense, but it's essentially, like, intersections between women and the environment. Career ecology develops these intersectional understandings that began in the fields of ecofeminism about the way sex and nature have been historically been, have been historically depicted. As a political theory that insists ecological and social problems are enmeshed, um, queer ecology has been compared to Murray Bookchin's concept of social ecology since both are political theories that insist that ecology and social platforms are enmeshed, which actually makes a fuckload of sense because truly, we ourselves are animals. Everything that we do is is ecology. Like yeah. we're one of the most. We are the most. Um, I would say, like, I don't want to say we're the most social because that's not accurate, but the way that we interact is very specific to us. Um, I don't think there is no other animals that communicate on the wavelength that we do. Um, And to assume that that is not encompassed into that is just beyond me. Um, We're constantly growing, and the more evolving that we do, whether that be as a fucking species, but also in our day-to-day life with technology and things like that, is constantly changing everything as well. Um, So I just think, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about for some reason. (laughs) It's okay. Everything is connected. Yeah. It's just like a really interesting way to look at it. Like when you hear queer ecology, you're like, okay, what is this going to be about? Like, is this solely going to be about like the queer experience? But in actually, in reality, from what I took from this definition is that it's just diving deeper into the relationships that we experience, but also the world around us experiences. Um, and while, yes, there are certain parts of it that, you know, talk about, you know, why are we assuming that the water lily is feminine, like, and pure? And like, why did we choose to have that for it? Um it also kind of goes more into, you know, looking at the world for what it is. And that's, you know, everything around you is living and breathing. And, you know, how does that entwine into our lives? Or, you know, like you said, all these other species have exhibited homosexuality and um, different um, identities as well. And why are we assuming that's only a social, like a, like a human experience? Like, let's dive deeper into why animals are experiencing this as well. And when you look at that, people, you know, who chalk off being trans to like, oh, it's a mental health issue. It's like, what mental health issue does a lion experience? Please enlighten me because they don't, (laughs) I don't, I, I'm not out here saying that animals don't have some um, connection to like the way we view reality. Like, I obviously think that they're like capable, like thought processes. Do I think they're as fucking intense as ours? No. Why would they have unlocked that? I think they would be doing a whole lot of different shit if they were that level. But, you know, to say it's mental illness, I don't think it is. No. Why? Because fucking lions can be, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, it it opens up a whole world of discussion that, like, people just have not really touched on. Well, like, even, I mean, elephants, for example, experience loss and they go through it. And mm-hmm. all that kind of thing, they'll go back to grave sites and remember those people and or those elephants and like the thing is too is that with queer ecology, what I understand queer ecology to be doing is that it's it's asking questions like why do we believe what we believe about nature? Like the from my understanding of queerness, you 
as a queer person are navigating a world that is full of norms um, and you understand what those norms are because you've been you've met those norms and have been told you can't do what you are doing because it's against a norm and so then you question why that's a norm in the first place and then you start to be like oh well I don't think I'm in the wrong you know what I mean like that's that's kind of the queer experience and so being able to have that lens and be able to see norms societal norms and see them for what they are and be like um actually here's the reason that that one doesn't really make that much sense and you're just unquestioningly following it but it doesn't make that much sense. I think that that's kind of what queer ecology is doing. Like the things that we've considered norm for a long time, like all Mm -hmm. animals are lesser than humans, maybe not true. Like we probably just think in different ways. There's no way that all animals are like just completely incompetent. There's no way. Oh, not at all. They wouldn't have survived this long. That was one thing I was going to call myself out. I keep separating ourselves from um, animal, other animals, but mind you like queer ecology isn't really about separating ourselves from them it's understanding that we are just like them but yeah like you said different thought process we yeah. have obviously a different social dynamic well yeah we we um from from our scientific understanding the animals that come closest to us in emotions is probably orangutans and mm-hmm. so i would imagine that in their societies if they have societies they might have trauma they might have certain things like that um but it comes down to emotional understanding and emotional intelligence as well and so it has to um do with that i think that if you don't have complex societies and if you don't have um complex emotions then i don't think that you would experience the ways that we experience it i think that it's a matter of different worldviews though yeah i will i will say i am reading okay so i thought it was this granola lady i had read another briefly had read another book from her about um being a leader and i was like i can't get through this this is very (laughs) this is very much like i don't know it's just like wasn't it wasn't my style of book like i find it really hard to read books like that like i've bought them in the past to like amp up a confidence or like be a better leader and um part of what i believe in terms of being a leader you need to have fucking people skills and be able to read people and sometimes that just cannot be taught um that's my personal opinion, but um, I digress. But I'm reading this book right now by her um, for work. We have a book club and um, it's actually about emotions and what she started off saying and like her introduction for this was so fucking long. Let me be real with you. Um, it was like a whole chapter in itself. It wasn't just like the <laughs> usual couple pages. It was like a, like a whole last half the book right there. Um, but it was great because she was discussing emotions and why we aren't you know talking about the complexities of emotions as people and to be better with people to understand the complexities of said emotions so while yes okay she's going to dive into sad and happy and excited these very basic emotions to chalk those off as the only ones that we experience and the basis for all the other ones that we have is just not accurate. You need to dive into the complexities of these other ones and where they're stemming from and why we experience them and, and to understand, you know, what sets people off to have said emotions. And um, it's been actually a very enlightened book. I will be honest. It wasn't, do I think it was what I expected at all? No, but, and when I kind of was like, oh, I'll give it another chance and started reading it further. Was it really what I expected in that regard? No, I was hoping it would dive even further, but I think like as a starting point, um, it is really great and really cool. Which book is that? It's Brene Brown. 
um, Atlas of the Heart. I think it's actually very interesting. <laughs> Queer ecology, I guess, then is maybe a worldview. And you can like, or a lens, it's not a worldview, it's a lens that you can like yeah. apply to yourself and be like, okay, well, you know, I've always thought that like, there's this um, dichotomy between natural and unnatural. Well, what do I think natural means? And then you should think about it. Because what does natural mean to you? Um, and you need to pick that apart because something like, um, I don't know, like we've got synthetic vitamin D. Yeah. That's not natural. <laughs> But then we've also got arsenic and that is natural. So like, what do you mean? You have to like, that's kind of what maybe a queer ecology is kind of being like, it's like, well, what do you actually mean? Like you, you've been saying um, that straight is normal, but we've found that there's no evidence of that. So what do you actually mean? Like we, you know, this is, this is kind of what I um, imagine queer ecology to be is like asking those types of questions. like what is normal and what is mm -hmm. not and why is it normal and does it being normal just mean that it's true or does it mean that it's just normal normal's overrated <laughs> so as we said this episode is about no planet no pride and so our discussion topic today is the climate impact and how that's going to affect mar marginalized communities specifically obviously the LGBTQ plus community. Climate change is something that's going to obviously affect everybody. But um, the purpose of talking about this and saying no planet, no pride um, is because these marginalized communities, the queer community, is already at such a disadvantage in the world. And to not discuss the further impact that climate change is going to have on them is, I just feel like, a little ridiculous what i wanted to really discuss was the fact that um a lot of marginalized communities kind of already face like the housing crisis and you know um getting jobs and getting access to health care and the reason why the climate um just really hitting the shitter to fucking <laughs> put it plainly and why this is going to you know further impact that is you know as housing costs go up there's they're just at this further disadvantage where you know as we hit the climate crisis you know with fires happening and flooding happening and tornadoes happening which is obviously making resources harder to gain access to even for just like a regular joe the nuclear family um you know to not regard these communities that already are having difficulty gaining access to these basic human rights is just you know, comes back to the statement, no planet, no pride. So, you know, they're saying that True Colors United said individuals are more likely to suffer from the impacts of an altered climate crisis because they are, according to True Colors United, up to 120% more likely to be without stable housing. Noah Goodwin writes that the increased levels of homelessness experienced by LGBTQ plus folks, especially queer youth, put them at a greater risk of encountering the ne negative effects of climate change. So again, we're talking about flooding. We can talk about in Canada in particular too. Um, here, not saying that BC never gets snow, but the further north you go, the more snow you get, right? But if you're talking Vancouver and the island, um, at most years ago, you would have one week of very intense snowfall. This past year, um, everything was frozen for about two weeks. 
there was so much snow that no one could drive. Snow tires are not something that like people really think that they need to purchase when you're on the island, um, unless you have to commute onto the Malahat. Um, if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to bother explaining it. It's just a highway to get in and out of Victoria. Um, so if you don't have snow tires, cause you're not relying on snow tires. I am one of those people. I could not get out of my driveway. All right. But I have a house. I have heating. I had a job. Um, I was salaried. So I could miss a couple days of work and I was fine. I was covered for that. I could find time that I could re find more time for that, or I could work from home. That is not attainable for everybody in the queer community, especially if you're houseless, like you now need to find accommodations, but let's be honest, especially I will be honest in BC. Um, there's this huge stigma around drug addiction you know while they are trying to create more housing opportunities are they completely successful every time no Nanaimo had one Nanaimo had one they had turned it into a hotel someone shot fireworks or something absurd off in the in the thing set it on fire well they're no longer use of the hotel same thing happened to Victoria you know one person ruined it for everyone else where I live right now I live right now in the heart of the city I live in and um I see houseless people all the time. And so like when you don't have accommodations, especially in a place that, again, I live in, it's the Bible Belt, there's not going to be a lot of safe spaces for queer homeless youth. No. There is not. There no. is very little. I don't even think we probably have one here. Um, and so when all this snow and this rain and the fucking flooding that happened here, who's at the brunt of that? Because yes, it sucks that your basement got flooded and I'm not negating the effects of that and how expensive that is and how horrible it would be to lose all your personal belongings if you have no home where are you supposed to go yeah. when there is no access to anything and so that's kind of what this is more so about like it's talking about the fact that climate is going to impact all of us but who is going to face the strongest of that burden yeah and it's going to be these marginalized communities like it's the rates of queer youth and homelessness is astronomical um trans people are already at such a risk because you need to find let's say that they do find housing is it still a safe community to be in we've seen it time and time again we know something doesn't go right and people like riot or get aggressive like we've seen it with like fucking teams losing hockey games imagine that you know tornadoes going on and looting's happening people use that as an excuse to be bad people and so you could be a trans person in a in housing but you're probably the most at risk in those times too right yeah somebody might have had it out for you that whole time that you had no idea and now because of something going on they're now wanting to take advantage of that situation and i think that's kind of what no planet no pride means they're the ones you know the queer people they're the ones that we're going to lose the most from this i think it's interesting to see like other places Many of the goals of climate action are driven by the desire to make the world a better and safer place, which aligns with hopes and actions of queer activists. I think that's a bit of a blanket statement. I don't think that's always the intent. Um, I think it's not always what's being considered because when you're fighting climate, when you're trying to do climate justice, you need to take into account like the houseless people and it's yeah. not always that people are always like oh we'll just throw up solar panels or oh we'll just create more jobs it's like okay but are you making those jobs accessible yeah are you making them good places to work because let's be honest if you're working trades as a queer person best of luck to you because it is not an easy place to be in there is that amazing trans plumber on oh my god my favorite the trans handyman 
love her to pieces. Do I think that plumbing is probably a little bit of an easier trade, especially if you're lucky enough to be independent contract. Um, But if you're hired on by a company and you're working with other individuals on other job sites, I, it's not an easy, like I hear it. Like even just being an electrician in trades, you get the shit end of the stick. People make fun of you. Now imagine like going against the grain entirely. Okay, great. You're creating more jobs by creating more sustainable energy sources, but are you making these job sites accessible? And friendly like, like you're gonna work these jobs exactly just your core contingent of like straight people and because that's the thing like so... i don't know how many people that i know who's gotten a job out in alberta or up north bc and they come back a completely different person are they a better person no the values of some of the individuals up there and the way things are and like how rapidly personal opinions can change just working on those job sites is insane Mm-hmm. It is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's where a lot of the like, like mentality of the man camps, right, happen, and like it's scary. It's really scary. It's dangerous. It's very. It's they're violent places. They're mm-hmm. not good. And who, who is going to do something about that? If we don't have good conditions for humans, why, why would we? This seems defeatist, yeah. but why would we save the planet? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, I like I can see that people like this article means well, and I get that. But like, what I'm seeing is that people go, "Oh, well, you know, you want to save all the people," and it's like I I get that. Like, obviously, I want everyone to be safe. And climate, talking about the climate crisis and implementing change and plans for that is so 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 important. But like, what are we doing to really get into the nitty gritty of it and yeah. and actually encompass everybody? Because right now, cool, you're implementing certain things, but you're you're only uplifting. A certain sector of it and that's people that are already housed and that's people that already have jobs and that's people who can actually afford it and let's be honest combating climate change it doesn't start with the people let's be honest it's great that you have reusable containers um it's corporations that should be at the forefront of that because they're the ones that have pushed on this um never-ending use of fucking single-use plastic yeah they did not used to be packaged that way but it's more affordable for them and their fucking profit margins are astronomical. And well, like and even the- companies that claim to be, and you know this because we worked for one, oh, we're fair trade, we're this, we're a B Corp. Have you ever looked at the requirements to be a B Corp? The fucking bar is on the floor. It does not require <laughs> a lot, trust me. It's fucking bare minimum. And then you see how much product you're fucking throwing away because they refuse to fucking give that to someone else when i worked at david's tea how many times did we donate stuff to the women's shelter that we were not supposed to yeah how many times did we take stuff home because we're like why would we throw out a kilogram bag of fucking loose leaf tea yeah these are systemic issues that need to be fixed and they're not necessarily like at this point we can't make individual changes that are going to make enough of a difference and it's because like the infrastructure that's around us there's not a single thing that I can buy that is that I can avoid plastic with unless I go to this like specific really expensive place to go and Mm -hmm. get it and I can't afford that especially if I'm going to be someone who is queer or marginalized or you know racialized or anything like that I am at a higher risk factor of not having enough money in the first place so how am I supposed to affect how am I supposed to buy that especially if I'm homeless like if I'm let's be honest I worked at that health food store yeah I worked at that health food store was it a fucking safe space for anybody no I quit that job because of the pandemic coming out and everyone's true colors coming for to the forefront we had maybe three people of color working there and they always they would always joke too they hired us so we looked 
so they they could fit the fucking criteria that they needed to meet yeah and it, i i always hear it too it's like oh well you know like if we had less people on the earth then we wouldn't necessarily have a problem and i think that that's just fucking eugenics i think that's white supremacist because the only people that are being killed right now are fucking marginalized people black people the people that are in poor countries that are only poor because they've had their resources stolen and so it's it's eugenics. It's like, we know scientifically that we can support up to a certain amount. And that certain amount is probably at this point, we've, we've, we were worried that it would get past a billion and now we're at 8 billion. And so what are we, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like we're fine. We're not fine, but we're fine. And we're going to continue to be fine. Science will help us get through it. But the thing and is- And they've that- proven time and time again, the steps to take to yeah. allow for that. Yeah. Because I get it. Like like hydroponics was something that I thought was so interesting. And I think it's super interesting, especially for places like Ontario and BC or just Canada in general, where we have like a fucking distinct summer and winter. Mm-hmm. And there, there are, there's a hydroponic farm outside of Barrie where they are growing fresh ingredients. And it was some of the best fucking spinach I ever had in my goddamn life. It's just that they make it so in, and actually it was affordable too, which was really surprising. Um, but the problem with all of it is that it it's just like it, it to get to that point to to start those things it's so expensive up front and i remember doing geography i fucking hate geography but we were talking about geography and talking about obviously solar and all these various like natural uh, resources that we can use to produce energy and up front it is a very very expensive thing but it's so funny because it's like you would put up that upfront money that would create jobs and do all the, i can't even get into it it's just so fucking stupid like anything renewable and all of that is so expensive up front and then they sit there and they go oh you gotta you gotta stop using the plastic bags and it's like okay but a reusable bag is double the price yeah and also plastic (laughs) and also yeah like this is part of the problem plastic water bottles and i was like okay that's great uh it's still gonna sit in a landfill when i forget it in my car and it gets moldy as fuck and i'm not allowed to wash it like what the fuck do you mean exactly like this this is part of the problem now is that like we've now found uh microplastics in human tissue it's now been in human bloodstreams so like to say that we can avoid plastics and everything's going to be fine no like plastics are unavoidable at this point um we've done it so much uh and mainly the reason is because we figured out that burning fossil fuels was not actually good for the planet so we diverted away from that and now the um fossil fuel people the lobbyists are like oh well you know what else we can use fossil fuels for plastics let's let's use plastics as the way that we can um say that oh we're we're leaning away from um gas and burning gas because that's really bad for the planet but like here's this um freeze-wrapped fucking pineapple you didn't eat it wrapped but okay that's where it also gets complicated is that people talk about single-use plastic and then you have to think about the how if we don't so because like you can see it you look at the fruit baskets at the grocery store and you're like pineapple cut up and thrown in a plastic container what the fuck and then you realize that that's actually not it's the same with like the fucking slap chop and shit like that you look at it you're like this is stupid and then you realize that it's actually a lot of these fucking things are are catered for people with disabilities but they need to market it in a way that is accessible to everyone yes and then so people are shitting on the use of single-use plastics they're getting rid of paper straws or getting uh, plastic straws or getting rid of all these things but then it actually puts 
people with disabilities at a disadvantage. Yeah. And that's a whole other income thing to encompass. It's like, yep. okay, so then what are we doing to find alternatives to that? So they can still have these things packaged in a way that is attainable for them to, to eat the things that they need. And once again, it's not, it's not black and white. Like we will need single use plastics moving forward. Like what are we going to do in hospitals? You know what I mean? Like we're not going to be well, able exactly. to just like, I mean, eventually maybe we'll find some way to reuse something that we can reuse but like what are we going to do if we have like syringes that have gone into a human arm you can't use it in another human <laughs> so it's got to go like i don't know yeah We're, and uh, obviously there's the um, intersection with disability so like it's uh it's, I think that it's such a broad topic. And while I think people have their heart in the right place, I think sometimes granola people need to sit back a little bit and realize that, you know, the world is maybe accessible to you. It is not accessible to everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And we need to make it accessible <laughs> to everybody in order to save the planet. It's not going to be saved if everyone is not saved. Uh, All right. Well, it's been a real slice. I love you. We'll see you next time on How to Be Queer. <laughs>